You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to Earth Station One. That's right. We are here in our second decade of podcasting. Can you believe that? Earth Station One, two decades and growing. Well, how are we growing? I'm looking at my waist size. I don't want to talk about that right now. But, you know, it was a good New Year. Let's just say that. But it's good to be here with talking to all of you. And, of course, you know, Mike Gordon is here also. Howdy. How are you, my friend? Happy 2020. Yep, you're seeing more clearly now, aren't you? We're, we're in the yeah, we're in the uh, we're in the roaring 20s now. Oh god. They on uh the Dick Clark thing at, on New Year's, they ran right like f- for the like 40 to 50 seconds of Barbara Walters. This is 2020. And over that. and over over and over and over again. Which but is it, weird because I always think of Hugh Downs. Yeah, I do too, but everyone else <laughs> thinks of Baba Wawa. So. But Baba has a, Hugh Downs doesn't have a great uh, accent like Baba does. Yes, I know. It's like her lisp is so wonderful. This is 2020. Yep. 2020. 2020. I can't 2020, did you ever think we'd be here? No, I never. <laughs> I mean, 2020 is a, just, it's one of those years that, you know, you just think it's so futuristic sounding, like growing up in the year 2020. You know? Oh, I never thought, you know, I thought when we made it to 2012 or 2010, you know, I thought, wow, we're living in the future. This is 2020, dude. This is pretty awesome. My niece, who's 21, she had to say, I've been alive four decades already, Uncle Mike. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, you have. And it's like, don't even say how many me or Aunt Judy has been alive, because I think we're going on six. So it's pretty funny, though. Yes, it's uh, it's quite striking. Um, I, uh, of course, am a big fan of Turner Classic Movies, and I thought it was really appropriate that throughout New Year's Day, they were showing a lot of um, uh, time, like futuristic uh, movies, dystopian futuristic movies like uh planet of the apes and logan's run soylent green time machine that kind of thing but at night at night they tap they 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 top the night off with showing um a uh the the 19 i think it's 1936 movie um the roaring 20s with uh with bogart and um uh J- james cagney what's this it's so amazing to think okay so that's a hundred years ago and like it's all about the roaring 20s which of course we all know is about you know that's when prohibition took effect and all that and man i just it's so amazing how i mean even though we weren't alive then it's just so amazing how different things were then like like (laughs) if you had told people back then 100 years ago it's like okay not only is liquor going to be illegal and alcohol but in a lot of states pot is too they'd be like what well at the time, uh, pot was legal back in the 1920s. It wasn't until a little bit later that it started becoming illegal, you know, because, you know, it was wacky weed and they started Reefer the whole madness. thing. Exactly, exactly. 
And it was like the mid thirties, I think when weed started becoming truly illegal. And everything. People turned up. That's because they didn't have alcohol to turn to. Well, exactly. And that's <laughs> like early in the 1960s, LSD was legal and, you know, things like that. But it was later, you know, after the army start, stopped, decided not to experiment anymore with it, they decided to make it illegal for people. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's just interesting how things different change in everything. I fully expect within the next five years, pot will be fully legal in all 50 states. Yeah, I think that's where we're heading. So okay. I, I, you know, and that's, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, and as far as, you know, as far as 2020 goes, I mean, personally, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling good about this year, sir. Um, you know, there's a lot of promise in 2020, I think. Oh, I'm hoping so. You know, I'm really hoping that we're going to get very positive stuff going on and, you know, 2020, you know, I'm hoping for great things all the way around for everybody. I'm not talking politics. I'm not talking anything like that because there's enough of that crap going on elsewhere on other podcasts. I'm not going to do that on this. And, you know, it's just, I have a good feeling because 2019 really sucked. (laughs) It really sucked for a lot of us. And it's just, I want to see good things coming for my friends, for, you know, my acquaintances, even my enemies, I will let them know 2020 is going to be a great year. So it's a good thing. Well, and I'm glad you feel uh, you're giving positive thoughts to Chris Hardwick this time of year. Yes, I am. Cause you know, he needs the money. He needs the work. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for that guy. And you know, I'm thinking, you know, if he ever needs a job, I'm sure we could find a spot for him to do a little segment here on earth station one, you know, out wow. of the goodness of my heart. Wow. Okay, that is very open-minded and generous of you. I thought so, you know. That's the new Mike Faber. That's what I have to say. <laughs> uh, and and I know we've got some great stuff coming up. I mean, I, I, we'll talk a little bit later about um, definitely some of the, the conventions that we're going to be at. But I, I know that we're putting together our schedule. And uh, it looks like we're going to do, I think, more conventions, more appearances this year than we did certainly last year. Oh, yeah. I definitely think we'll be, you know, appearing more places and some new places that we've not appeared either together or separately. And I think we want to get Earth Station One out there. We want to get the names out there. We want to get everything. And, you know, we got an announcement at the end of the show, which is going to make it a little bit easier for you to find Earth Station One content. So it's pretty cool. Now people have to listen till the end. Exactly. Or it just you cut know, out like, you know, as soon as Ashley's gone. Well, of course not. You know, <laughs> once Ashley says bye, you know, yeah, everyone goes like, click. Yep. Yeah, that's it. They're on. Exactly. They're just, they're actually, they don't even hear us right now because they're fast forwarding to the time segment where Ashley's going to be on the show. Well, exactly. Well, we might as well tell people what we're going to be talking about a little bit tonight. You know, tonight we are actually talking about the Mandalorian. That's right, folks. We are talking all about the hit Disney Plus show, or should we just call it Baby Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's it's an amazing thing to me that to think about that the show's only been the show was only eight episodes. It's already finished, and of course, we'll be spoiling it in our in our spoiler review in in depth. But it you know here it is January. Um, it 
premiered, the first episode premiered the second week, I believe, in November. And yet it's already made a huge impact to uh, not only geek culture, but pop culture. I mean, Baby Yoda is everywhere. Um, and uh, I haven't seen anything like that take off in a long time. It's amazing how fast that, uh, I mean, I think already we're, we're, we're probably just at the zenith where people are going to be sick of Baby Yoda in about, uh, you know, maybe five minutes. But um, right now we're still riding that wave. They're still riding that wave because they haven't even really gotten all the merchandise out yet. That still comes in another month or so. And then, then they'll probably start seeing a little bit of the backlash, I think. Yeah, that's where I think, you know, once you're going to see it on T-shirts, you're going to see pop figures, you're going to see toys, you're going to see puzzles, you're going to see clothing. It's going to be everywhere. It literally is going to be everywhere. And it's like, amazing because you know, right now, I mean, he's pretty much everywhere, like online. Like, I mean, you cannot, I can't go anywhere without, you know. And it's not just people who are, you know, diehard Star Wars fans or in geek culture. I mean, Baby Yoda is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Baby Yoda is. And, you know, I'm waiting for the Baby Yoda version of Baby Shark to come out. You know, it's not even his real name. I know. Actually, they've said they they do know his real name, but they're not going to release it until next season. Makes well, sense. Know, you know. Well, I mean, all the marketing and everything like that is still referring to him as the child. So, yeah, the child. I have spoken. That's his name. Well, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that, and we've got a lot of you know we've kind of hinted on it the last episode where we uh, talked all about 2019, but you know I think we we mentioned that there was a lot of uh, good stuff that we we're excited about pop culture wise in 2020, and uh, you know I think it's like I said I think I, I'm very hopeful. I always go into a new year pretty hopeful anyway though, so I try not to be uh you know too negative about things because uh well yeah there's no fun in that so oh, i'm uh, waiting to, i'm waiting for february to become negative it's okay <laughs> give it a month exactly did you do any new year's resolutions not really um i've stopped doing resolutions because i i realized that um a lot of times my resolutions are the exact same things year after year Oh yeah, that's not seemingly getting me anywhere. So um, I'm still coordinating everything, but I'm I've decided that uh, in 2020 I'm going to try to try to have a better plan. So um, so things that are uh, whether it's regarding the podcast, regarding my personal life, regarding uh, the Tiki Zombie books, as well as other projects. Uh, I've got something really, really big happening in 2020, which I haven't really mentioned much at all. Um, but it's the anniversary of something that I'm super excited about. So, um, so there is, people are going to hear a lot from that about that from me later on, but, um, uh, once everything is all in place, but, uh, and yeah, I have not forgotten about Tiki Zombie. Uh, though one of my biggest disappointments of 2019 was that that fourth book did not get completed so it's about halfway there and uh we're gonna we're gonna push to get that done early in 2020 and uh and so i can work on this other project and you know there's other things on the plate too i always i'm kind of like um what's that saying when you go into the the restaurant or the supermarket where your eyes are bigger than your stomach oh yeah I, my 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 uh eyes for wanting to the projects that i want to accomplish 
is much bigger than my my time schedule or my energy level sometimes. So, uh, so we'll see how much actually happens. But if I can get half the stuff done that I want to, it'll be a pretty big year. That is awesome. I you know I expect big things for all of us, and you know that's one of the things I've been looking forward to reading is the continuing adventures of Tiki Zombie. So. Well, I appreciate that. And I know a lot of people out there have been so and I and I, I hear you. Um, and believe me, the, what we've got going on so far has been uh, is amazing. Uh, it's one of our it's our best issue yet. I mean, so um, but uh, so it'll get out. Um, and uh, like I said, other stuff as well. Um, and, you know, podcasting wise, I think, you know, we're, we're still like, you know, once we did 500 that that caused us we that was our midlife if you will, our midlife podcasting uh, crisis, so to speak, where we sort of looked back and went, hey, what what things can we change? What things can we tweak? And how can we make the show better and more accessible, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I'm really excited about putting a lot of those things into place um, this year as well. Exactly. You, you guys asked for more Ashley and <laughs> you know, you're responding, you know, you know. Yeah. Like what is it? Six, seven episodes in a row? Like yeah, she's uh, she's great though, um, and and uh, and yeah, I, I I'm I'm looking forward to talking to her uh, in a little bit too. Exactly, but you know, of course, we want to hear from you guys at home. You know, please write us at EarthStation One at ESONetwork.com. What did you guys think of the new year and? Has it been treating you guys well? We definitely would love to hear what kind of New Year's resolutions you guys have given. And please write us. And we'd definitely love to hear from you. And also, of course, we want to hear what you guys, your thoughts are on The Mandalorian. So, you know, please write us. We definitely would love to hear from you. So with that being said, let's take a quick break. And we will be back in a moment. And we're going to be talking all about the said Mandalorian. Boom. The ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything is 42. That's right, Broad Speculation, and on the 42 cast, we bring you drama-free discussions on television shows, movies, video games, novels, and comics. So don't bother thinking about the question, just go straight to the answer. It's only on the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. It's a world more peaceful since the revolution. It is a shame that your people suffered. But bounty hunting is a complicated profession. said you were coming they said you were the best in the parsec would you agree
Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are going out into a galaxy far, far away. Not so long, long ago, but it's pretty cool to be able to talk all about the Mandalorian. Take it away, Mikey. Well, it's actually longer ago than the last time we talked about Star Wars, which was just a couple weeks ago, because uh, this goes this this uh, takes place a little further back than that. Um, but. Uh, Yes, it's hard to believe that The Mandalorian made its debut in uh, mid-November and has already taken, like, I mean, it's a pop culture phenomenon already, in particular, uh, one character for sure. Um, but it's already had an impact. It's only been eight episodes, and it's just made a huge impact on everything, not only Star Wars and geek-related, but pop culture. So I'm excited to talk all about this with our guests. Of course, we have Ashley back, who I think just lives on the station now. well we are glad to have you back um obviously uh it was a little sad that you weren't able to finish up with the story geeks when they did their finale on uh mandalorian so i I know you've got some thoughts about that i've just been hanging out here for the past month or so just wandering around um just having a good time roaming the station yes yeah technology uh was not working well that night so but i'm glad to be here now to talk about the mandalorian absolutely absolutely and even though it's not movie related it is star wars related so we've got alex with us again too i've just been wandering around the station i can't find the exit <laughs> it is tricky yeah. it is tricky. follow ashley she might have a clue <laughs> <laughs> and we have with us michael faulkner who definitely knows where the exit is because he uses it all the time he's hardly ever here uh, Michael, it's glad to, uh, glad to have you back on this, the main station, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year to you all. Hey, you too. And uh, and yeah, let's get right into it. Um, I'm curious to hear first. You know, like we we like to begin by uh, this was a this was a risk. I mean, it doesn't seem like it was a risk now that you know two months later it seems like it's a huge it's a huge success. But at the time when it was announced. Um, you know, a, a Star Wars live action series wasn't something that, um, you know, the last time Star Wars was on television, not really good track record with that sort of thing. So, um, Ashley, what was your thoughts once the show was announced? And, you know, when you finally saw the first episode, how did that uh, how did your reaction change or if it did? Yeah. Um, I was excited just based on the fact that it was Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, as pretty much everybody knows, so I will take it in all of its forms. But I was super curious to see how well it would apply to a TV show format, just because Star Wars is about you have this grand, epic, kind of sweeping space opera. We know it as the movies. How well is that going to translate into an episode-type format? And it really was a risk, too, in terms of like Disney Plus launching their own streaming service, kind of getting into that game. And the Mandalorian really was kind of their flagship show to kind of um, 
let us see what type of content and what quality of content that they're capable of producing. So like you said, there was definitely a lot of pressure writing on this show, both in terms of Star Wars and for Disney Plus getting in on the streaming game. And I have to say that I really enjoyed The Mandalorian. I thought that it felt like Star Wars, but it also felt like something new. It kind of struck that really nice balance. I really love that they leaned into the Western vibe and they continue to do that throughout the first season. And they do a nice job of having it tie into the movies and the overall universe, but you can also just jump in and watch the show. And I've even heard some people saying that the Mandalorian is their favorite thing about star Wars now, which is always cool to see. So I'm always for anything that's going to bring more people into the fandom and just kind of continue the conversation. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I can't wait to get into more detail. Um, Alex, what about you? What were your thoughts when this was originally announced? You know, when it was announced, I mean, again, I'm a huge fan uh, of star Wars always have been, always will be. My track record on that is, is, pretty well established at this point um when they announced it i was like oh this will be at, at the very least it'll be a reason uh to to pick up disney plus knowing that they had had already announced that they were not going to do the standalone movies because they had announced that before they announced mandalorian and I was kind of like, oh, well, isn't that interesting? Um, they took a very bold risk doing a movie with an unestablished character. And because of that, and through excellent storytelling, produced a home run. And it kind of helped that they had the most adorable character of all time to show up in the last two minutes of the first episode. It was actually genius that they did that way. They didn't show it in any of the trailers, anything, and you didn't even know who the Mandalorian was going after. Yeah, at all. yeah, it was a great surprise, and it just led to so many questions that uh, you know uh, people were invested right from that. Yeah. Uh, Michael, what about you? Uh, what's your history with uh, Star Wars, and and in particular with the show? I've been a Star Wars fan for for most of my life. Uh, my parents uh, ended up buying the uh, the books for me when they start, first started coming out with the, the uh, Star Wars expanded universe, the, the former expanded universe, and I just fell in love from there. And you know, watch the movies. I I have them on repeat quite often. Um, and so so with that history, you know, when they were talking about a live action Star Wars television series. Uh, my thoughts immediately went back to Star Wars Underworld, which was the the 50 scripts they kind of threw in the vault in 2012, 2013, because they were too expensive to, to produce at the time, because they're so complex. And that was, you know, it was George Lucas on top of all 50 scripts, you know, throwing that together. There were rumors that, that Boba Fett was going to be involved, was going to be on, on Coruscant for a lot of it, you know, a whole bunch of bounty hunters, that kind of thing. And so when they said The Mandalorian's coming, seems the first live action TV series, I was like, okay, are they going to dust those scripts off? What's, what's going to happen with that? I was a little hesitant because, you know, it, it had been uh, before the Disney buyout that the, the scripts were produced. And now afterward, it's like, like what is Disney going to do with, with those scripts? You know, I'm not a big Boba Fett fan personally. So, um, you know, when they were like, oh, it's the Mandalorian. I'm like, oh, no, please. I, I don't want a Boba Fett show, <laughs> you know? Um, but when they, when they said that Dave Filoni was in charge, I, I know Dave Filoni from the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and those two shows were were so good. 
you know, like just building on all the mythology and everything else, knowing that Dave Filoni worked hand in hand with yep. George Lucas on the Clone Wars to really build the mythology of the of the universe, you know, and understanding what it meant to to be part of Star Wars and what his thoughts were on the Force and everything else. Um, you know, just just putting that all together that as soon as they said Dave Filoni and John Favreau, I was like, okay, I'm I'm good to go. And you know, it was just icing on the cake that the boat the Mandalorian wasn't gonna be Boba Fett. It was gonna be this unknown guy. It's gonna be a Western feel. You know, the the teasers looked amazing. And from within the first few minutes of seeing the first episode, I was like, Okay, I'm good. I'm I'm hooked. And like everybody else, the the finale, you know, the of the first episode was just mind blowing. And when you go back and see that they they prime that game because they didn't even talk to Hasbro about toys or anything. They're just like, we got a surprise for you and no one knows what it is because they're too afraid of all the leaks, which, you know, we've had plenty of those, you know, you see with the movies, the, the scripts and stuff been online, you know, months in advance, this was perfect to have the surprise every week. And it's so difficult to be able to this, these days, these days to pull something like that off. Um, yeah, that's, that is amazing. Um, because even yeah, I mean, and it was one that although once it did once that first day of Disney Plus went up and this was the people were watching this, it, it wasn't going to be a secret for very long. Uh, yeah, if you didn't yeah, watch it within yeah. the first couple days, yeah. you you got you got the child spoiled for you because uh, it was pretty obvious that was everywhere after that. Um, but uh, Mike, what about you? What uh, uh, what were you feeling about the series when it was announced? Very similar to what Mike Faulkner was saying that, you know, once they announced that they were not going to be doing a Boba Fett movie and they were saying, oh, the Mandalorian's coming out. And I was like, very cautious. I didn't want it to be about Boba Fett, but I know in Star Wars, in Rebels and also in Clone Wars, they touched so much on the Mandalorian and the, on the, race and also the culture behind it that it was more than just boba fett or Django fett and it was a whole culture that had been defeated by the empire and it was just really got my curiosity going and then when i saw the first trailer it was just like okay if i get disney plus i will be watching it <laughs> and you did i did day one Day one. Did I we was all there. watch it day one? Yes, everybody watched it yeah. with day one? Nerd. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> I, might, I might have been day two, but yeah. But make you, if you make it feel any better, I did turn it on on my phone, hooked it up to my car, and drove to work watching. Um, <laughs> for the record, yeah, go ahead. It was... I even woke up extra early before work so that I could watch the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> My husband gave me. It was, it was nerve wracking around here because um, I didn't sign up for Disney plus right away. Cause I was waiting to see what kind of bundles they had with like Hulu and stuff. Cause you know, oh. I want to save a little money. I'm going to do that. Well then Verizon came out and said, if you're a subscriber to any of the Verizon products, Ooh. you get a free year of Disney plus. I was like, sweet, sign me up. Where do I, where do I click? And it, it said, uh, we'll send you the link when we're ready. I know I, you and I were going back and forth all yeah. day. Did yeah. you get it yet? Did you get it yet? Yeah, so, I so, did the same thing. Yeah, so day day of release, and I'm like, come on, where's the link? I need to watch this show before somebody mm. spoils it on the internet for me. <laughs> but it, it luckily came in, so. 
Yeah, I, I did the same thing because uh, I have Verizon as well. So yeah, the fact that I got it for free was even better. Um, but it was it'd be worth it, you sure. know. Um, I, I find it uh, very telling that the second season of Mandalorian is going to start right when all of our first year subscriptions are up. Yep. They're not stupid. Disney is not stupid. Um, and um that was sort of you know that was a big thing for me as well i'm going into i knew like you guys i knew that they had wanted to do something with boba fett i mean obviously boba fett was a very very popular character um and had very little screen time uh in the movies and had kind of created this sort of persona that some of the expanded universe dealt with and and but people really sort of just liked the uh like the look of him and uh that that carried on and unfortunately i don't think it was fully realized in the movies which is why i think you have a lot of people who you know think that he's overrated don't care for him that sort of thing etc cetera, etc cetera. and and so there's a lot of baggage with that character so i think in developing a movie or whatever they were thinking about doing with boba fett if that if boba fett was going to be the lead he would have come with a lot of, you know, baggage as far as, oh, how do you make that show? You know, do you make it before his quote unquote death afterwards, you know, et cetera. So do you go back on, you know, I mean, George killed him. Like, do you go back on that? Um, so uh, the fact that they um, put this out there um, with a completely new character, I think um, in terms of quality, once Favreau was announced as, as the guy who was, the show creator and and really just not coming in on the last minute this is his he pitched this this is this is his idea um and teaming up with Filoni who has the history uh aspect of it and has the knowledge of what Star Wars is and 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 all of that I think it was a great combination and watching that first episode I, I was blown away as well um I I don't think I was completely sold I was a little worried about, um, and I guess we'll just talk about it here real quick. I don't want to get into a big debate about this because it is something that's sort of talked about now in, in not such a, not a positive light all the time, but um, there, I thought there was um, some blatant, like kind of silly fan servicey things in the first episode that I, I didn't think were necessary, that I'm like, well, if the show's going to be doing this every time, it's going to get kind of annoying. Like they would put like, John would put characters in there or, or species in there, or whatever, that I just, they weren't integral to the plot. They were just in the background or just here and there. And they just seemed kind of off. Like, hey, this is a, somebody you know from Star Wars. Hey, this is something you know from this movie or whatever. And I was like, man, if they keep doing this, this is going to be distracting for me watching the whole like story unfold and everything so i i'm glad that they they dialed back on that a lot after there is a youtube Um, video right now that i think says 150 easter eggs in the mandalorian i think no i no i think it's in the first two minutes (laughs) of the mandalorian um no i think i think it's in the entire eight the entire eight episodes i haven't watched it yet because one i don't care and and two, I'm just in it for the entertainment. I don't want to have to dig through. I didn't sure. get, you know, I didn't even get it that Dave Filoni was one of the X-wing pilots. I I didn't because I, I didn't need to. Really? Um, it, 
Yeah. I mean, it yeah, is it's three it different is, uh, directors. It actually is um, three of the directors. And, and everything. Yeah. And and I was yeah. like, yeah, those three directors directed previous episodes of The Mandalorian. Ha ha ha. Cute little inside joke. Yeah. Don't care. Give me Baby Yoda and Chicky Nuggies. I'm fine. that felony cameo was the one that actually pulled me out i was fine with all the other easter eggs but as soon as i saw dave in the the x-wing i was like all right dave you you got it fine (laughs) i i uh i started get i like i said that first episode i i got pulled out a couple times right from the like the first mission where you see the the long uh Mm -hmm. snooted uh like alien uh, I was like, oh, we haven't seen him since Moss Eisley. Is it the same guy? And I'm like, I shouldn't be thinking about this right now. It doesn't doesn't matter, right? Um, or to see, um, you know, salacious crumb type species yeah. getting roasted in the in the bazaar, or um, you know, that kind of thing was like, like I said, that kind of thing was like turning me off uh, at the beginning because I just was like, we don't need these. They're not integral to the plot. They're just in there to like, you know, to like let people know that this is Star Wars. And, you know, the show itself should be doing yeah. that. And it was doing a pretty good job of doing that, I thought. So, um, and it kind of ruined, like, so at the end, when you see, you know, that this baby Yoda, for lack of a better word, um, it was almost like, you know, oh, okay, this is just another, what is this? You know, like, I, I think it would have had much more of an impact if they didn't, like, sprinkle it all with other um other aspects of star wars before before that although i do think that you know at for, at the time i thought using another ig model was not really cool but going back and watching that again and then seeing his story arc throughout the whole season i it worked perfectly for me and i i take that one back <laughs> well there you go i mean we've been wanting to see you know ever since they stood side by side on on the deck of of vader's ship you know, IG, there was that picture of IG-88 and Boa Fett that just went everywhere. And I've seen that since, you know, one of the first promotional images that they ever released for Empire. And uh, so those two have been linked. And it's kind of interesting that they kind of get used here without um, without it being the actual like, characters from. One of the things I thought was interesting about it, especially watching it the first time through. And when I watch it a second time, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it more. Um, was the fact that, you know, they gave us these characters and really said, you're going to want to pay attention to this character. You're going to pay attention to this character. And then they're gone at the end of the episode. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I, we were told to, and then, you know, we, we have great moments where like, you know, like, like, like Gina comes back towards the end of the season and uh, IG 11 uh, wonderfully returns um in a very k2so kind of way um which i didn't think about until we were just talking about it here um mm-hmm. but yeah i i think that that you we did get a lot of fan service but i feel like for season one they didn't have a choice but to put it in because if they didn't the first thing that would have been coming out was that's not our star wars Maybe I don't know. I like I said, I thought it leaned like I, that first episode in particular. I, the rest of them, I, I don't really have yeah. much of a problem. Even the one that takes place on Tatooine, I thoroughly enjoyed returning to Mos Eisley. I thought that was done beautifully, uh, in a way that I mean, we're going and that might even be the same bay that the Millennium Falcon was in. Ooh. You know, I mean, they all look the same, I would imagine. But uh, 
Um, and then of course, going into the cantina, the same cantina and everything like that was just, um, was, was really cool. That was a really good callback. And if that had been the first episode, it would have been way too much at that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that aside, um, so what, uh, you know, we have a character here that can't see his face, uh, limited amount of dialogue, and yet he's the lead of the series. What do you think of Mando um, as a as a character, as his arc going through the series? Ashley, what uh, what do you think of the title guy? Well, I was um, really curious to see how they would pull this off, um, especially since you're going to be missing out on a big thing that helps us relate to a character in terms of like facial expressions and seeing um, you're limiting what an actor can do. But I was really curious to see um, and excited to see Pedro Pascal in a Star Wars movie. I really liked his character on Game of Thrones, but sadly, like many of my favorite characters on Game of Thrones, he was gone too soon. So Game of Thrones loss is Star Wars gain. And I thought he just did an amazing job this season, even though he is hidden behind that mask for pretty much all of it. You can guess at his emotions, the things he's thinking and feeling just with through like body language and what he says and like the pauses he has, even when he's not speaking, he's saying something. So just um, uh, kudos to Pedro for giving such a great performance within those constraints. And it's been really interesting to see him start as this kind of like stereotypical Boba Fett type bounty hunter, but then to reveal more of his past, the reasons that he doesn't like droids and how he overcomes that prejudice and how he comes to care for other people and kind of takes on um, baby Yoda as an orphan in the same way that he was um, taken care of by the Mandalorian. So it's been really neat to see him grow as a character and have that arc. And I think it's going to be great to see that continue in the second season as he starts to make more ties and finds out what's really going on with baby Yoda. Um, Alex, what about you? It's, it was a real fun run to to watch, and the great thing, one of the great benefits of the of the series, is that it was so well written that there were things done in it that, like later on, I'm like, oh, wait a second, that's Nick Nolte. Um, I'm I'm not even joking. It was his second appearance when I kind of looked at it and went, that eh, looks like Nick Nolte as an Ugnot, and yeah, I just. They did some great things with this, and it really made it very entertaining, and it made it a good series, uh, a lot of fun to watch. I, I do – there's a very, very real uh, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub vibe to the series, and there are things in it that if you're not oh, yeah. a well enough into the backstory and, and the the – lore of star wars you're not going to get the baby yoda excuse me the child it's baby yoda um reveal is important because as far as we know yoda was the last of his kind and that's what's said in the lore so all of a sudden bam this little guy who's around for 50 years and is just so darned adorable um is 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 really a fascinating twist but it is one of those things that if you don't know that yoda was supposed to be the last one seeing it's like oh it's a baby yoda and no it's like oh my gosh there's another one 
and that adds just a whole new level. I, I really, yeah. it surprised Menace, me yep. just the kind of things they were, they, they went with uh, just in the first few episodes. It, it is interesting. Uh, you hit on a lot of things there. And the thing about uh, the, 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 the baby Yoda species in particular that I find interesting is that, you know, when Dave was doing Clone Wars, um, and I think was part of Rebels um, under George been, as well. I don't I remember, so, right? Um, maybe. Anyway, um, at that point, George was still like on top of things, and George made it clear, <sighs> from what I understand, uh, George made it clear that that he was that that Yoda's race was not to be named, was not to be developed, was not to be like nothing on Yoda's race, even though we had seen, I think, one other on the council back in the prequels, right? Yaddle. Um, but we know next to nothing about that creature either. And, um, you know, so it's a very unique creature and it looks like, you know, <laughs> George is out and Dave's like, I'm doing it. <laughs> so, um, but there's a lot of questions about the child. So we, who knows what the answers to all that's going to be ultimately, but uh, to to pick on something or to find something that's so uniquely Star Wars, which is Yoda, um, that they haven't explored. Uh, I don't know about you know the books and the, I haven't seen him mentioned in the comics or whatnot, but you know uh, the race or anything like that. So I I don't know what and all that stuff is like you know kind of thrown out anyway. So so um, so Michael, what about you? What about the what about the main man? What about Mando himself? I I thought it was really well done because like like you said, it's it's difficult for an actor to cover their face because they they lose even when they cover one eye. You see a lot of the the things like Battlestar Galactica and everything where they cover one eye and they lose lose part of their acting ability. Uh, so so to put yourself in a helmet where no one can see your face or your expressions, it, it's debilitating. Um, I think they did a really good job with his with the body language, you know, trying to express what was going on, and then the the way that the characters interacted with him, you know, like like the um, the uh, what's his name? Um, <laughs> I'm now losing it. The guy in the bar who's who's giving him all the the bounties grief. to go chase down, um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, grief. There, thank you. Grief cargo. Um, you know the the members of his of his own clan who are there. You know on the planet with him. You know other people who are interacting with him. Um, their their body language, the way they interact with him, really really kind of tells you what the Mandalorian is thinking. And it, he was so mysterious and so kept to himself <laughs> that the way that they they talked about the mythology of the Mandalorians in in this series, it reminded me of the Romani people, and I was. I was expecting that they at some point would say, uh, you do realize Mando's a slur, right? But they never did. <laughs> but it's, that's one of the things I was, I was almost on the edge of my seat waiting for that to occur because <laughs> everyone is calling him Mando everywhere he goes. And he, he doesn't have a reaction. It's just stare at you blankly. Like, you know, come on, let's get on with it. Um, you know, and, and they, they just had a lot more respect inside the clan itself for each other. It is kind of weird. It would be like, you know, calling Nick Nolte's character like Ugno. Like, you yeah, know, like, just like, you know, like, like, you know, that, you know, that is kind of weird. And you're right. It is kind of in its own way. It is kind one of, of one of the things uh, just popped into my head. We, we've been talking about how, you know, working with no face, literally, uh, and the expression. There's a lot of that already in the Star Wars lore. Darth Vader, the Stormtroopers, all of that. There's another film that uses this same tactic brilliantly. It's V for Vendetta. 
And the fact that the lead character's face we never see in the movie and everything is done behind the guy Fox mask. And yet Hugo Weaving's able to do the exact same thing uh, that Pablo Pascal is able to do. And that's develop a real sense of not just his purpose, but his attitude and how he goes about things without having to see his eyes, without having to see his, there are moments when, and again, when he's basically babysitting and he just kind of looks down at, at, at the child. It was just like, all right. So, and and it's like, I mean, he doesn't, we don't see his face. We don't see the heavy sigh. We don't even hear it. We just know, yep, I'm babysitting. Um, and but I mean that's what happens. I mean, you know, it's it's just he does such a great job in expression without expression that it adds to the nuance of the character. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a combination of a lot of things, and where I do give you know um, Pascal a lot of credit, uh, not just for his performance, but actually taking this role. Like knowing going in that 99% of the time, you nobody's going to see your face, right? So that's, most actors be like, no, nope, pass, you know, um, hard pass on that. Um, so he takes the role, then again, it's Disney money, right? It's Star Wars. So, you know, <laughs> he's, he's not like he's, he's hurting probably. Um, but um, my understanding is that he was cast late so that some of the scenes, especially in the early hmm. few episodes are not even him. Um, and of course, any time that there's action, uh, it's not him. It's a stunt man. It's a coordinator, fight coordinator. They can put anybody in that suit, depending on you know what needs to happen. But you've got you've got a team head headed by John Favreau, who knows how to make a suit of armor come to life, right? Because he did it, it with great success in the Iron Man movies, right? And so he knows how to do that in a way that I think, um, you know, plus his interaction, his, his ability to, uh, with the last few live action, quote unquote, live action movies that he's done for Disney, he's a, he knows how to get really good performances from CG characters as well. I mean, this guy has a great picture, a, a great ability to, to have the whole picture in his head. So that whether it's a stuntman or whether it's CG or whether it's a puppet or whether it's a person, like it's all going to be consistent. And I, there wasn't any time where I kind of was not feeling that somebody was acting out of character. Um, I thought it all flowed seamlessly in this series, which I thought was amazing. Um, Mike, what about you? What about how did uh, how did you dig Mando? Oh, Mando was he was great. You know, he had the loner feel to him, like the lone cowboy and going out on his missions for being the bounty hunter. And it felt like a true Western. And that's the one thing, you know, that I loved going into this. It was basically the same feeling kind of I got from Firefly, where it was the Old West, but set to a science fiction theme. And that's exactly what I was getting from this. And, you know, that he was going out on, on missions and it was really well from that first bar scene in the first episode, you know, it, it hit it right from there. And I just, and it went running. Um, 
for me, Mando was compelling. He was an interesting character. You didn't know his backstory at first. You didn't know really anything about him. And I just loved it. And I loved, you know, in that first episode when he was, you know, trying to get back to his ship and, you know, he had that, um, that carrier, the car carrier. And, you know, it was like, I got to get back. And he was like, you know, why do you have to get back? And as soon as the the carrier pulled away, it got pulled under and underground. That was just awesome. And then the the lizard or whatever it was came out and started attacking the ship. That was just, it was great. And yeah. I, I just liked that whole scene. It's a great introduction to him. Um, even though his, his, his bounty is not that challenging uh, of a, of a, a catch there um, in and of itself, um, the environment around makes it challenging and he's more than uh, up for that challenge, which is amazing. And like you, Mike, I, I'm, you know, I look. It's it's no secret that this is that this is inspired by samurai movies and western movies of of long ago. Like, you know, the, the you know, watching all the man with no name movies, right? I mean, if you if you've watched any of those, then once you start watching the Mandalorian, you are in very familiar territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it made me think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Bounty Law. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it's Rick Dalton. <laughs> And so, but been, yeah, it was, it was the only person to think that. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> but it, it was, it was great to see. And I loved how on his ship, he had a carbonite freezer where he, you know, froze all, you know, to get him, you know, everyone back sure. to the, and it's like, that was, just, it was just like, I thought it was just like something they had never tried before when they used it on Han. Now it's on everyone's spaceship or something. Well, you know, it's a, the, once the Mandalorians, you know, once Boba Fett did it, it kind of started a trend. Right? Exactly. And Boba Fett was very trendy. That's mm-hmm. that's actually been one of the big problems uh, regarding canon in the series is that there's a lot of stuff that's been done uh, as far back as the Old Republic stuff in which mm-hmm. Carbonite's been used by bounty hunters. So the idea that it, you know, like Boba Fett didn't know about it until Empire. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, you know it's, it, again, maybe Boba Fett's not as bright as we thought. So, <laughs> or maybe, or maybe some of the writers who wrote that stuff after Empire were not mm-hmm. as bright as they thought. That's more than likely the case. <laughs> yeah, I think so completely. You know, well, you know what, Boba Fett here, whoop, and he yeah. goes right into this. Well, yes, if you look at Boba Fett's track record in the movies, it's not very solid. Um, no. Yeah, he's his, his, he doesn't really quite live up to that uh, reputation of his of his name. Well, not, looks cool, no. but it, but it was awesome because even if you had never seen Clone Wars or Rebels. You got a history now with the Mandalorians. You started finding out about, you know, now that they're a nomadic race and they're hidden underground and everything. That was just awesome. Yeah. What do we think about that? Okay. So the Mandalorian is, is, uh, you know, at first I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, his, according to his backstory, as it's slowly being developed through the course of the season, I'm realizing I'm like, well, the Mandalorian is not really a Mandalorian. Like that's kind of an interesting take on the title. Um, but then it's revealed at the end, you know, that the Mandalorian Mandalorian is not a race, at least anymore. It, it's a creed. Um, and so the Mandalorian, I guess people are taking a lot of folks in, in order to keep their culture going, 
which is, uh, you know, something that uh, obviously a lot of people understand that post-war, right? A lot of groups. Um, and, and it's very, that whole thing is very interesting, especially when you com- uh, combine it with the knowledge that we have in both Clone Wars and in uh, Rebels of what the Mandalorians go through during the wars. Um, and also, uh, I do, like going back to the Man With No Name thing, uh, I also think it's kind of interesting that when I think of the man with no name, of course, it's Clint Eastwood who squints a lot. And of course the, the Mandalorian armor and that, you know, I never really thought about it before. I certainly never thought about it when I was playing with my Boba Fett action figure all those years, I thought he was the coolest looking thing. But now I look at him and I'm like, how can you see, has anybody like actually worn a, like a Mandalorian helmet? And can you see in that, Alex? Can I know you have? Yeah, I actually, I, as as a <laughs> member of the Mandalorian Mercs and the Five of Hers, yes, I have worn the helmet. <clears throat> it is uh, a uh, it is very strange because the <laughs> the helmet actually there, there's a little bit of of um, space inside. It's not like stuck on your head. Uh, there's a little bit of wiggle room. Uh, which is very funny because sometimes some people won't have enough padding in there and just look at mm-hmm. Bobble Bounty Hunter. Um, <laughs> you, it, oh, oh, that'll be a thing. Yes. I'm sure that the bobblehead Mandalorians are on their way. Yeah, um, it's actually quite easy to see through it as long as the helmet is on secure enough because that line that's that's right there uh, across the eyes is literally just straight across the eyes. So you can see perfectly. Um, it doesn't explain why stormtroopers can't shoot, but anyway, um, <laughs> the location of the eyes anyway. Um, yeah, so no, it, it is able to be, you, you can see out of them. Um, peripheral vision's terrible. If yeah. someone's hitting you from the back with like a stick, your jetpack will send you straight into a sail barge. But, uh, <laughs> other than that, other than that there's, there's a, proof in that i hear yeah so you know it's well let's face it i'm glad that that it wasn't a boba fett show because can you really improve on boba fett after what robot chicken did <laughs> the uh, uh the only reason i i it was really brought to my attention was the woman uh, the actress who was playing um the forger the 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 leader sort of of mm-hmm. the Mandalorian mm-hmm. clan she was talking about how um in the blooper reel if it's ever released you're going to see the scenes with the Mandalorians and they're just tripping over each other like <laughs> it's it's very difficult to see like there's cables everywhere especially like uh, anything below the the chest or the waist yeah is out of your vision completely. So you're constantly bumping into things. That, uh, which is common with all of the Star Wars costumes. Any helmet really? on there, it's just, there's your peripheral vision is shot. You've got nothing up and down. Forget about it. If, you, if you've got to look down, you have to look down. Um, you can't just assume that there's nothing there. <laughs> right. Um, but speaking of the 501st and cosplayers, um, this this show actually utilizes a ton of them. It did. Um, they they put the call out to the 501st as well as other groups. Uh, I believe the Mandalorian cosplayers was one of them mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so you've got uh, folks in there, uh, fans actually playing in the background. Uh, I know that uh, actually the Story Geeks had like one of the guys that was one of the speeder bike uh folks uh on their show um and yeah he was one of the speeder bike not the one that actually uh scoops up uh the child but the other one uh because they're both voiced by i think comedians right so adam Pauly and uh uh not bill Hader. it's um is it jason sudeikis 
Yes, thank you. Yes. Who I mm. hate now after seeing him punch Baby Yoda. is like, you are dead to me now, Jason. <laughs> Amen. You, you deserve everything that happened to you in vacation. Yes. I just loved how those two guys couldn't even hit anything with their... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's it's a, a beautiful yeah. scene right there. Is yeah. just looking yeah. at the gun that's, shaking that's a, that that sequence is it's got YTT mm-hmm. written all over it. He directed when I saw that he directed the episode. I'm like, oh, okay, now we're gonna get Mandalorian Ragnarok. Um, which I'm glad that you know as the as the show went on, we didn't. Uh, but that he had to put that you know that that sequence in there, which is hilarious. I, it reminded me of uh, back in the day watching uh, Troops uh, that. Yeah. Um, fan film uh which i which i like a lot so uh whenever you get two stormtroopers just kind of talking one another it just is is kind of it's kind of cool i like it uh it brings it it gives it like it gives them voice i mean they for years we used to think of them as just like clones that were just bad guys and we would shoot them up all the you get they get shot and destroyed all the time and now we've got voices behind them which is kind of and actually after the movie we know that some of them were just like kids put into these outfits yeah, it's a whole yeah. different kind of thing um anyway uh back to the mandalorian so much to cover i know we're not going to be able to do an episode by episode review or anything but i want to speak to you first ashley about some of like a couple of highlights for you it's like a one moment in the series actually one moment in the series that really like where you were like this is amazing one of my favorite episodes i believe it was the sixth one where they um go to spring the prisoner out of like the um prison barge which is interesting because mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily tie in to the super to the story in like a really tight sense but i just love the feeling of that episode just kind of like the adventure seeing the mandalorian interact with other mercenaries and it kind of helped establish the difference between him and some of the other mercenaries how he maybe has a little bit stronger moral code than some of the other um members of that group and just how well the episode was shot a little elements of horror in there like some scary stuff going down i really like that um I I just love seeing all the different locations. It's just amazing to me. Um, I think that people in the past would look at TV as being sort of lesser than movies. But when you look at shows like The Mandalorian and Game of Thrones, like this looks film quality. Like I can't believe that we're just getting this on our home television screens. I just love seeing all the new plants and of course some familiar planets too. I thought the action sequences were great. Um, it's just really exciting to see Star Wars expand and work well on the small screen in addition to the movies. And it just makes me even more excited for like the Obi-Wan series and the Rogue One prequel series that are coming on Disney+. Plus. I think that there's going to be a lot of good stuff ahead um, based on what they're capable of with this show. I, yeah, I've heard I've heard from uh, a couple of friends of mine that have watched it in 4K that it is spectacular. Like it it holds up. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I do not have uh, quite that good of a system, but it still looks great to me. Um, but I like it so much. You know what? There's been times where I've watched it on my phone. Oh, same. Because uh, I'm like, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Uh, I'll watch it on a bigger screen later. But I I really need to see how this plays out, and I like the story and all that. So. So, and it, it's, it is interesting that it has to, it passes that test too, where I'm able to watch it on the phone without feeling like, you know, that I'm, I, I should be watching it on the bigger screen. 
you know so i think that that says a lot for it as well because sometimes when it shrinks sometimes when things shrink down you're like eh, i can't doesn't really look as good and i can't really make out what's exactly. going on exactly like the story still holds you and i found that um I ended up getting up before work pretty much every Friday to watch it just because I was so excited to see how, what happened in the show. So, um, I, I'm kind of sad now my Friday mornings, I no more Mandalorian for me to watch, but, um, can't wait for it to come back. Um, I you now can they, sleep. I know. Yeah. Get some yeah. extra sleep. <laughs> I, I, I think try, they announced try that- doing a Doctor Who podcast, yeah. you know, <laughs> when it's done in, you know, two in like what six weeks or so, and then we have to wait. Oh, I know the waiting is half. the worst. I think they didn't they announce recently that uh, the new season of Clone Wars is starting up in a couple months. February, I think. Yeah. So, so yeah, we won't go too far without Star Wars. I'll, I'll make okay. it somehow. Got, I'll make it. You got you got books and comics yes. to make it through. You you'll be all, you'll be all right with new Star Wars stuff. Alex, what about you? What uh, what was a key point in the series for you? Oh man, uh, so many good things. Uh, the character development, the strong uh, uh, secondary character development, uh, I think w- it was huge for this because again, we are working with uh, a character that doesn't speak a whole lot that has that man with no name kind of vibe to it uh, uh the lone wolf and cub as we've already mentioned um so for them to have built such great secondary characters with such interesting nuances uh the fight between uh kara and mando is so well put together and the choreography is so well done that when they wind up both pulling a gun on each other <laughs> and just drawing right at that moment where they're both on the ground is wonderful <laughs> because it plays so well into both their characters. And then later on, you have a scene uh, a couple of episodes later where the two of them are just having a good old-fashioned arm wrestling match. And she starts to beat him, and Baby Yoda <laughs> little dark side from Baby Yoda there, unexpectedly. little, little dark yeah. side from <laughs> We're going to find out that he's actually a Palpatine. Um, oh. What, too soon? I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I, it's, but it, it is. It's the secondary characters that really help hmm. fully surround this show. And the, as you mentioned in the Prisoner episode, we were given four types of, uh, was it four different Merc characters mm-hmm. in that one, um, along with, um, uh, uh, their boss, essentially, who was uh, the corrupt police officer in Batman. Oh, how do you look familiar? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, or Dark Knight, excuse me. Um, he, uh, uh, you know, having having character actors like that that can sit there and go, okay, what's my character going to be? I'm this kind of a character okay and they slip into it and you could sit there later on and go oh yeah that's where i know that guy from but in the meantime what you've got is that guy is sleaze and i'm you know i don't like that he's hanging around with with baby yoda's daddy um (laughs) so but even he turned it around i love that sequence with the uh with with the uh uh beacon at the end of that episode i think Mm -hmm. it's brilliant yeah 
Yep, Michael, that was what about really you? Good. Uh, the big highlight for me was actually after the first three episodes, which were just you know, a ton of action, including that big, you know, blast out of Navarro sequence in, in the third third chapter. Um, I like that they gave us a, a moment to breathe with the next two episodes, Sanctuary and the, the Gunslinger, um, especially with, you know, the introduction of, of Cara Dune. Um, you know, Gina Carano played her mag- with, with magnificence, and and when you go back and read the the articles, that, you know, the interviews she had afterward, where she was like, "I was about to quit acting, and they gave me this role, where it's not some you know role for a thin waif. It's it's you know a woman who's who can fit into armor and actually sling guns around and and, and have an action role." I was like, "That's that's amazing that they could that it could save her career, and she is so into it, and you can see it on the screen." Um. The gunslinger also with uh, with you know Peli Motto in the uh, in Tatooine the the kind of dock master there, uh, she's where I picked up my my personal nickname for the the child. She called him Bright Eyes at one point, so every time I referred to the to the child is as Bright Eyes, um, you know, and just just the kind of intrigue that's built into that where you know the the, the Mandalorians have to deal with the logistics of things. He's not this superhero kind of character. He's he's not able to just you know, go into a situation and, and, and take it apart and, and be the hero at the end of the day, he takes his licks. He's, uh, he's defeated multiple times throughout this series and he still comes out on top because he's just tenacious. That's the way he is. And then to end the gunslinger with this mysterious figure that has that kind of spur sound. And the last time we heard that was an empire strikes back. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> George actually wanted to make sure that Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc. That's written down in interviews. I wonder. I wonder if Boba Fett's still alive on Tatooine. Maybe we'll find out in a, in a few months. Maybe. Uh, Mike, what about you? What about uh, some highlights for you? Okay. A um, couple different highlights. Of course, you know, you had Nick Nolte in one of his best roles in years. <laughs> and he he was awesome. Um, the whole, like Mike Faulkner said... The, the how intense the first three episodes were all the way through, you know, him leaving and all the Mandalorians coming to help him out at the end there. It was just, it was just awesome. And it was great to see. I didn't know, you know, what they were expecting. And later they said, you know, they all were living underground. They weren't, you know, they had this whole underground labyrinth set up for the mandalorians to be in and that everyone up above didn't even realize how many of them that they were there it was just awesome to see and then those final two episodes those were just great and it was awesome to Mm. see who was behind the whole you know trying to get bright eyes or baby yoda or whatever you want to call it um, and it was great. And then for him to have the blade that was introduced in Rebels. Actually, Clone Wars. It was, it was, no, it, it was, was in Clone it Wars. Was Rebels. No. Yep. It's in Clone Wars. In Clone Wars. And then they had yep. it in Rebels, yep. too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a Filoni ad. Uh, but yeah. the Darksaber is, got, uh, is steeped in Mandalorian history. So. Yep. So it was actually pretty awesome. Yeah, and to see um, him have that, and it was just like to cut him, himself out of the uh, Tie Fighter. It was just, it was great. Yeah, and I loved it when the Tie Fighter's wings folded. 
<laughs> that was he's, he's got his special own little compact uh the uh tie you know uh, is mm-hmm. is is his moth tie. Mm-hmm. It, we we going to pimp your tie. Yeah. <laughs> but there was there was just so much great stuff in this, and the robot sacrificing himself in the final episode. It was it was just great, and I would have loved to seen that character continue. Yeah, I uh, mean, I think a lot of people would have, and it was a cool move that they you know that they got rid of him. I thought, and that, then you know. and then Carl Withers, you can't say anything, you know. Carl was awesome. Right. Carl's yeah. always awesome. Carl's awesome. And, you know, it's like, it's Apollo Creed. It's awesome. And and I understand that Carl will get a chance to direct an episode next season. So, uh, so he is, uh, yeah, they've already kind of announced that Carl Weathers, Grief Karga, and uh, Cara Dune will be back next season in some way. We don't know exactly how. So um, uh, there's other rumors too, but uh, I'll get to that in a second. But I'm just going to um, focus on the bad guys uh in this uh because the bad guys are awesome uh starting with warner herzog uh who gives a great performance it's obvious to me from behind the scenes that he doesn't give a damn about star wars or have any clue as to what's going on or he just shows up to get a paycheck but damn Mm -hmm. when he's on screen he is amazing and he totally sells uh his role as the client uh and he's so memorable he's so like just just great uh you know a great foil for you know someone you definitely don't want to give a child to um uh but uh hell i wouldn't want to give an adult to you know yeah just his his his, his demeanor his accent is perfect you know like bounty hunting is a complicated profession like he's just amazing and then to pass that off to giancarlo esposito and in, in the last two episodes um it was sort of a rough transition uh especially for um one of herzog's character uh but uh esposito is amazing comes in he plays that smart villain you know the guy that knows this uber prepared that knows it almost a gus fring kind of bad guy if you will um where he knows everything and knows everything about his his opponents about his uh about his uh prey so to speak uh i thought it was great and then the, to, to seal it off with giving him the dark saber I mean that for those of us who know what it is, it's amazing because that's just once once Mando sees that, he's gonna freak out because that is something that I mean that's a trophy, right? That's an obvious, like blatant, like I have I'm responsible for, you know, the Mandalorian downfall because I have their most, you know, their their Excalibur in my hands, right? Like their most treasured possession um and uh that story is going to be really interesting to 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 go over the next season so real quick because i know we have to wrap it up i just want to hear from because i know we all love the show so it's not a question of how much we love it but i want to hear what you guys want from season two we're supposed to get season two in the fall just in time to sign us up again once again for disney plus uh ashley what do you want to see from season two one of the things i appreciated about season one was how they left some mystery still in the show um i still want to know more about the client why was he after baby yoda what was that scientist doing we know that they were up to nothing good but why are they studying baby yoda why is he so significant um what did they yes like is there cloning stuff going on are they trying to clone force abilities like anything could be possible um yeah like i said they're 
obviously up to no good, but I'm really curious to see more of that. Um, I'm also interested to see more of what happens with um, the Mandalorian and the child, you know, as he goes and tries to search for um, the child's people. Will he find them? Um, Is he going to learn more about the force? Will he meet up with uh, Jedi or other force users? Um, I'm not sure what's exactly going on the timeline here. Luke might still be the only practicing Jedi out there at this point, but there might be other pockets of force users. There's so many interests. Yeah, it's five years yeah. after five years after return. So as far as we know, Luke's the only So there's so many intriguing story possibilities, I feel like, with this. And they could just throw the universe wide open. Um I would be curious to see if they try to connect this to the Star Wars sequel trilogy in any way. Is there some uh, type of empire remnant transitioning into the first order? So I think there is so much that they can play with in so many different directions that they go. I'm really excited. Oh to my see gosh. Kind of what uh, so much to deal with. There's so many different planets yeah, they can go to uh, doing that. I actually, you know, and I'm, this is going to sound boring. I'd like to see them maintain what they're doing now. Um, we, we've got the established villain who maybe doesn't have to show up every week. Um, Cause it'd be very interesting to see him just like, we're going down this thread of like maybe a, a two or three episode arc. And then all of a sudden, bam, there he is at the end. So it shows that he's still in pursuit. Um, I'm okay with leaving some of the stuff, some of the questions left unanswered. Uh, I do look forward to seeing some more great characters coming in. Uh, I'm loving the costuming and everything. So there's a lot that, that can be done. And as long as, you know, as long as they're still hitting on every cylinder, I'm okay with with doing things that remind us who the villain is, who where where we should really be worried, um, while giving us good episodic television. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little mix of both. They kind of did that in the first season. I would like to see that again in the second season as well. Michael, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely eager to see how the uh, the conflict with Moff Gideon turns out, uh, especially given how angry I was when he cut himself out of that Tie Fighter with the dark saber, and I I, I yelled at the screen, "You are not supposed to have that." Uh, so yeah, I I honestly think the Mandalorian is going to go completely berserk when he sees that, and that will become you know kind of a focus to get that dark saber back, especially with you know with the way we left the Mandalorians uh, at the end of the, of the season. Um, I also, I'm eager to see it because I trust Dave Filoni, but I also don't envy him his task um, since George Lucas wanted to keep, you know, Yoda's species and backstory and everything so secret and, and, and away from the mythology. If there's anyone who can do this and pull it off well, it's going to be Dave Filoni because he studied with George Lucas during the Clone Wars. But it, it's just like, where are you going to go with this man? Like, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not an easy task. And I, I don't envy him at all for what he's got ahead. And it'll be really interesting to see when she says you must return, you know, the child to his people or I'm paraphrasing there, but um, you know, it's really open to interpretation. It doesn't mean his species. Does it mean other force wielders? Does it mean, you know, his tribe and, you know, we, we do see that there is a tribe of two formed at the end. So, but exactly what that means uh, for uh, the child and where it, 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 it ends up at the end, you know, that should be really interesting to see. It's hopefully it's a, it's a positive yeah. thing uh, with what we know of the future events. 
maybe not, but we'll see. Uh, Mike, what about you? What, what do you want to see in season two? Oh, I would just like to see a continuing of a good story mm-hmm. and, you know, touching on Star Wars mythos, but not steep in it. I'd like to it to be continuing like the Western tale and him trying to slowly find his way towards Baby Yoda's people or whatever. And but I want to see just continuing strong storylines and him dealing with those who are pursuing him still. I think that's the best way. Absolutely. This is the way. This is the way. Um, I, 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 I agree. I, you look, I, it's going to be interesting. I hope that now that they've unmasked him once, that they don't feel the need to unmask him a lot during the next coming seasons. Like, uh, even if he's alone, maybe with the, the infant or whatever, like, it'll be really interesting to see if, if they do that uh, and give Pedro a little bit more um, screen time with his face. Um, I don't know. Uh, I could see them as it seems like the door is open on that a little bit more now. Um, and also now that we have other characters, it'll be interesting to see if we don't have episodes been- that are, I mean, every single episode is, is all about the Mandalorian, or at least he's the main man in all eight of these episodes. Now that we've got characters that we care about, like Cara Dune, and even to the extent Moff Gideon, it'll be interesting to see if we have, if we like cut away from his adventures and go to see other what other characters are doing. Um, so it becomes more of a, like a broader uh, team, more team show, uh, which seems to be the case for a lot of other shows as well. So I could see them, I could see them doing that as well. In any case, I trust the guys that are making it. So I'm, I have no doubt that when season two starts up again uh, this fall, that all of us will be downloading it on day one <laughs> right watching it in our cars if we have to on our phones or getting up early like ashley so um so i can't wait to see it i can't wait to talk about it with you guys uh again later this year so thanks for joining us and we'll be right back with the eso network once there were two nights maidens Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Baby Yoda series. Okay, I'm talking about The Mandalorian. So, Baby Yoda and The Mandalorian have taken over the Star Wars world by storm. Truthfully, it seems to even, in some ways, outshine the rise of Skywalker, which is pretty interesting all in itself. But The Mandalorian is an amazing show on Disney+, and shows what we get when the Star Wars universe focuses on not just Jedis and the Skywalkers. So that's pretty darn cool. The show relies on a lot of practical effects, which makes me incredibly happy. We get actual puppets. We get a lot of practical makeup effects. Not everything is computer generated. It's wonderful. And I guess the director even made it clear that he would not shoot scenes twice once with the Baby Yoda puppet, and then ones without it, because it seems Disney wanted to do that just in case they didn't think Baby Yoda was going to work out. Which, look at that face. How could that not work out? But, good on the person in charge for standing up to the mouse and showing them that their vision was a good one and was going to work. This show is a western set in space, and it is fabulous. I will say, as a Warhammer fan, I did squeal at these squig-like creatures on the planet with the Jawas because I love squigs, and I want to ride a squig after watching those episodes because they're super-duper cute. 
The stories were great, a really good mix of two-parters and one-shots, while still having an overlining story that flowed throughout the season. This made it so you got a variety in the stories, while also getting a good ongoing storyline and character growth over time. I am so excited to see more during season two. Also, all of those wonderful cameos. I really enjoyed most of the characters, and there were only two that annoyed me. <laughs> Twi'leks. Cough, cough. But everyone who worked on this show really gave a million percent in their portrayals of their characters. Also, every cast photo I have seen has the Mando's helmet on, which makes me giggle a whole bunch. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. For the week of January 8th, 2020. Wow, that's weird to say. It's the ESO Network Con Report. Yes, we are in a brand new year. So that means um, conventions starting up again. And uh, we are starting right uh, this weekend on January 12th uh, is the Atlanta Comic Convention. Uh, Atlanta Comic Con for short. We um, uh, This is a one-day show. This is not the, the big three-day show that's held in the summer. This is a one-day show that Wes has been putting on for, uh, this is the 101st, I believe, right? Yes, sir. Because they just did their 100th one, uh, their 100th show uh, a few months ago. So, um, but it will be um, at the same uh, location as it has been in the last few years, which is at the um, uh, Marriott Century Center. Um, yep. in, and uh, it's a great show to go to. It's a casual show, small show. A lot of friends of the station are going to be there. Uh, you know, the award-winning Bobby Nash, it will be set up, as well as uh, other friends of ours will be set up. Um, I can't remember who the guests are, um, but you can look on the website and find out who the, the guests are going to be. Um, but the, the main pull there is, of course, uh, uh, the, the young talent uh, or the entity talent that's, uh, that's out in the hall, as well as the dealers and all the good deals you can get inside. So if you've, just, you've got money for Christmas that you need, that's just burning a hole in your pocket or you need to finish that collection of, of pops or, or, or you know, comics or trades or whatever, it's a good time to, uh, to jump on in and get some uh, good deals on some great, great books, some great uh, figurines. So uh, Mike and I will be there. We will not be there. We may pass each other. That's the way it usually works, I think. Uh, he usually does the morning shift, and I usually do the, the afternoon shift. It's like a tag team, folks. We, you know, right. as he, as I'm leaving, I tag him in, and he goes and enjoys the rest of the show. Yeah, it's like the it's like the coyote and the um, uh, the the shepherd on the on the those old Warner Brothers cartoons, right? Um, they uh, it's going to be a, a a great time, though. I'm looking forward to it. It's nice to start off with a, a small show and uh, sort of get back into things and re uh, re because we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, so even though we've only got a couple shows here in January to announce, 
there's going to be a lot more coming in the following in the coming months. So watch this space or listen to this space. Um, next, the week after that, January 17th to 20th is Aresia in Boston. Uh, Mike and I will not be at that one, but you can find most of the Flopcast crew at that one. Uh, the Flopcast just recently recorded their episode 400. So congratulations to them. Congrats, and, guys. Yeah, and they will be all at Aresia. So you can congratulate them yourselves if you uh, see them. Um, I know that Kevin's going to be on a lot of panels. I don't know his schedule yet, but I'm sure that if you listen to the Flopcast, they will be announcing uh, the, his schedule that he knows of, as well as where to find them at Aresia. And of course, you can look them up on social media if you want to if you want to touch base before, beforehand. Uh, but those are the two shows that uh, we've got in January. Like I said. I uh, got some stuff coming up in February. I'm almost uh, ready to announce a February date for myself, as well as tons of stuff coming up in March, April, May. I mean, it's just, yeah, it, the 2020 schedule is filling up. So if you've got a convention that you would like us to help participate in, do panels and and, and have a fan table at and whatnot, help promote, please reach out to us because we love talking about conventions. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank our guests for being here, Mr. Michael Faulkner. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, as always. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Hey, I'm still working on uh, the Timestamps Project. My look at Doctor Who from the very beginning of the franchise, episode by episode. That's on creativecriticality.net. This week, I am looking at Torchwood's episode called Reset, which has the return of Martha Jones to the franchise. Ooh, that was a good episode, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ashley, thank you so much, my dear. Oh, thank you. It's always a blast talking geek stuff with you guys. Well, how's it feel to be an official co-host now? I know. I'm just getting pretty at home in the station here. So (laughs) So, so we'll see you again next week. (laughs) You'll you'll always see me, I guess, from now on. I'm just stuck up here, so I can't go back home. (laughs) See, I told you she should have just sat in the geek seat the whole time. Come on. Maybe I've been in the geek seat the whole time. Just I've never left. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. you never know. (laughs) Oh, Hey, it has a porta potty with it. It's okay, <laughs> man. We come prepared for our guests. It's okay. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, well, um, I'm getting ready to start a new blog series over on the ESO podcast uh, website. Um, watching The Mandalorian and its Western tie-in put me in the mood to watch some more Westerns. So throughout these winter months, when there's not too many new movies in the theater, I'm going to be going through some classic westerns and blogging my way through those so looking forward to starting that that is awesome now i can get these references yes so i'm (laughs) i'm excited i should have a good lineup of films coming up oh but you put your list of movies that you're going to start watching with it's awesome you're going to have a ton of fun so many good ones yep i'm looking forward to it awesome but have you seen any of the original, like the, the the samurai movies that some of those westerns are based on, and some of the like uh, like Star Wars movies are based on, like Hidden Fortress or anything like that? I have not, and I'm thinking that would be a good next project to kind of look go back to the roots of some of since I am such a big Star Wars fan, kind of going back and seeing what these roots and where these movies drew inspiration from. So. Put a pin in that, I out. think, would be cool. You're going to freak out when you watch Hidden Fortress. You're going to be like, oh, my God, he stole the whole plot. Like, <laughs> Maybe it won't be good. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a tribute. There it's you go. A, he's there not stealing. Go. It's a tribute, right? Uh, 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> Alex, thank you, sir. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Anytime I can get up here and, and talk with a, an amazing group of folks about something that I love, uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, despite the fact that we all in, enjoyed this, one of the great things about the ESO network is when people disagree, it's still civil, which is one of the things I love. And it's what keeps me coming back for more. Oh, of course. And that's why we try to do this. And thank you for saying that. You know, it's always good to have good arguments and good disagreements. You don't have to get along or agree with everybody all the time, but be civil about it. You don't have to be jerky or whatever. And, you know, people are already, you know, like with the new episodes of Doctor Who, people are already going, even before these episodes air, oh, it sucks. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be disgusting. And it's just like, dudes, grow a grow a pair you know and it's just like and it's what makes me want to drop off of social media yeah. and i keep on telling people i probably would drop off social media if i didn't have all this podcast stuff to do yeah. and I, I the good thing there. about the podcast is that we're we're cre- we're you know through the community i think we're we're creating a safe space absolutely Absolutely. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, everybody originally was going, everything Disney touches is horrible when it comes to Star Wars. Ooh, baby Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) How quickly the tides turn. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It's so quick. But Alex, thank you for everything you do for the show. We do appreciate it. it. And, you know, you and Ashley are our go-tos for movies. And I'm looking forward in 2020 to continue with that trend. I'm busy. Okay, and and actually strapped to the chair. So, yeah, so I, I have no other life, so yeah. I'll be here <laughs> until I find a way out of this place. Yeah, no, I'll be here. Okay, awesome. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, sir. See, taking down the exit signs did pay off. I, you know, it's, it's how we keep our guests. Now that we're in orbit, you know, we don't have to worry about any OSHA rules. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, it's my pleasure. This is a lot of fun. Uh, Anything you to shout out, sir? I do. Um, speaking of uh, chatting with things about things and geeking out with you and Ashley, we had a, a chance to do that uh, this weekend with the Earth Station DCU guys. Speaking of uh, other folks on the station, um, and uh, we talked all about the the first few episodes of the Crisis of Infinite Earths. Uh, we had a great time talking about that. Um, it was a blast and uh, hanging out with Drew and Cletus, who've been, you know, getting it done for the last uh, few years. And uh, this was a, definitely a high point for me as a DC fanboy. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, we got a chance to talk about it. That is awesome. It was a great time. And, you know, we're just a week away now from parts three, uh, four and five. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. So, cool. All right. Um, my shout-out is kind of an announcement. Uh, we've been doing this podcast now for almost 10 years, over 500 episodes, tons of specials. And, you know, there's always been one thing missing from Earth Station One, a website. That's right, folks. We've never had an official Earth Station One website. And I'm happy to announce that hopefully by the time this episode goes live, there will be an earthstation1.com and an official website coming 
from, you know, just, it's not going to be like news and stuff like that and blogs. <laughs> Ashley's going to still continue doing stuff up on the ESO network webpage. And, you know, we're still going to have all our different uh, podcasts up there, but specifically for Earth Station One, we're going to have the last 50 episodes of all our podcasts concurrent as they're going on it'll be 50 and the bottom one will fall off but the last 50 episodes will be on its own website so you can go and listen either right from there and it's going to be easier since we have our own website that when we have our rss feed going up to itunes and stitcher and everywhere else you can find podcasts you'll be able to find us easier and hopefully more people will go up and rate us and you know give us five stars or you know Tell us what you think. We definitely would love to do for you to do that. So I'm just real happy to announce it. I spent my whole weekend working on this, folks. Please go. Please. So it's awesome. And it's great work. Thank you, sir. Oh, no problem. And um, you know, in the next few months, we're also gonna have a, a known website yeah. for the Dragon Con report and also Earth Station Who. So that'll be coming also. And, you know, speaking of Earth Station Who, uh, the new episodes are going live this this week. We're going to be doing a review on Spyfall. And so parts one and two, we decided just to do it instead of, you know, saying, oh, wasn't that a cliffhanger? No, we're going to do parts one and two. So that's by this time, uh, next couple of days, you'll be able to get that also. And that's also through the ESO Network feed or uh, iTunes and such. So. Earth Station Who, and the end of this month, the countdown to Dragon Con is starting. That's right, folks. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming closer and closer and closer. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, with, you know, Dragon Con and Earth Station Who, Earth Station One having their own individual places, they're going to, we're going to be able to be able to be seen more and more places. So I think that's going to be pretty cool with, you know, and everything. And of course, as always, if you're a patron, you know, where you go to patreon.com slash ESO network, Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and the Dragon Con report are still going to be available 48 hours before to the general public. So usually that's Wednesdays for Earth Station One, um, Thursdays for the Earth Station Who, and whenever we get around to doing the Dragon Con report. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. And, you know, we're going to, you know, definitely as a way to say thank you for our patrons. I know by the time this episode goes live, we also have a special uh, episode review of Spyfall done by the Watchathon for, by Rassilon folks. So they are also going to have that's up there exclusive to the patrons. So it's just pretty cool. So for as little as 25 cents a week, as we keep on saying, you can help support the ESO network. With that being said, and I've said quite a bit, so I'm going to cut out of here. We'll be back again next week when Darren is here, and he is going to be showing us Mommy Dearest. That's right, folks. No more wire hangers. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my name is Mike Faber, and we will see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Happy 2020, everyone. We'll see you then. Bye. No peace and we're done. Peace and we're done. <laughs> Yay. Oh, cool. I didn't know if I was going to be able to get to sleep. I was doing it for drama, dude. <laughs> You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. 
If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.